You're listening to On Conflict with Julia Menard and Gordon White. Big ideas and big feelings. Let's go make the world a better place. And now, your hosts. Hello, my name is Julia Menard. And I'm Gordon White. And this is our RiffCast on the Michelle LeBaron interview. Gordon, tell people quickly, what is a RiffCast? Julie and I talk about some of the topics that came up when we interviewed our guest. And there is no need for you to listen to the interview, but of course we would love you to because Michelle LeBaron is fascinating. All right. So what were some of the fascinating things? Well, uh, one of the questions we ask all our guests and we ask Michelle, what did she see as the central challenge facing humanity in the area of conflict? Very gargantuan question. Mm -hmm. In my words. Yes. Part of it. Part of our answer was the stark difference between worldviews that lies between different groups of peoples in the world. She cited religion as an example, I guess, but they're obviously political organizing or political groups that have those kind of differences mm-hmm, also. Mm-hmm. I feel moved to ask you. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because it's your birthday today. Oh, <laughs> happy birthday. Thank you. Secrets out. Secrets out. Well, we, you won't know what the date is, though. Listeners won't know. <laughs> That's true. Because <laughs> you don't know what date is. They'll have to write in to find out. <laughs> So I'm just curious about your response to that. What what meaning did you make of that, Michelle's response, that that's one of the central challenges facing humanity is these distinct and different worldviews? I don't know if I made new meaning, but what she added that was very significant to me was that she said that the conventional or the normal practices of your garden variety mediator, and that would be kind of most of us, I guess, were not adequate for helping people bridge those differences. Didn't she say that two of her books began with the word bridge or something like that? Bridging. (laughs) Bridging. Yes, yeah. But she said that she was saying now the way she was thinking about it, that bridging wasn't enough, that you had to go under as well as over, deeper in to those those different worldviews, right? Yeah. I guess the link isn't so much only where you could see it, right? Building a bridge, but it also wouldn't be in hidden non-cognitive, right? Getting out of your head kind of places. Non-cognitive, getting out of your head. Yes, yeah, that's great. Because that's um, to make a connection, not a bridge, yes. but a connection, yes. which is something that I took from that first question that we asked her. I remember her talking about that we are too much in our heads. Mm-hmm. I mean, she meant it originally, I think, and firstly as mediators, but not everybody who listens to the show is a mediator mm-hmm. per se. Yeah, well, you asked the question twice to make sure she expressed it for non-mediators as well, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet I think the question still remains, whether we're paid mediators or not, mm-hmm. certainly our society is too much in its head mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. values the intellect above, mm-hmm. certainly above the aesthetic, which became one of the themes of the mm-hmm. interview. Mm-hmm. And so what is she saying about why it's important to get out of the head? That's a good question. Yeah, because I, I sort of know what it does, but I'm trying to remember what. Well, let's make it up, because if people want to know what she actually said, they can go to the interview. <laughs> OK. Yeah. OK. So uh, could you ask the question again? Yeah. What is it about being in our heads that's causing problems? It's causing problems. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is a great question, I think. Well, it's certainly, I think it's certainly, she thinks that it accentuates those 
worldview differences. It doesn't help us get out of those. No. That's for sure. Yes. Yeah. And it actually tends to entrench them. Entrench. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, she, when she was talking about one example of people who had been, I think, in their heads a little too long, she talked about it being boring. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you can relate to that, but sometimes it can be pretty boring being stuck in our heads. Yeah, that's true. Well, and I think what it cuts off, and we did reference this a bit, I think, in the interview, but it cuts off the multi-sensorial and multi-dimensional aspects of our mm-hmm. being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I've often thought about that milk commercial, I think, in the 1970s. I'm not quite sure where it came from, actually. But do you remember it? It was a picture of a head, just a big head and feet. There was no body, no neck, no shoulders, no torso, no legs. No, you don't remember it. No, I don't. No, I'll have to look it up on Google and see if it exists. (laughs) But that's what I think of sometimes when I think about our society's fixation with the supremacy of the head. Mm -hmm. And she's tied in the link of the danger to conflict, constructive conflict engagement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because it's easy to hide in your head and come up with all these rationales as to why we shouldn't open our mouth and actually engage in that difference. Yeah, she did say that, didn't she? That people are afraid to really engage those deep worldview differences. Yeah. For good reason. Yeah, there's they're kind of a powder keg there sometimes. Yes, yeah. And yet, you know, the three of us were relishing at the potentiality of conflict at the same time because we know how much it can bring. Um, I have a kind of a logic for how we might go in the next few minutes. The mm-hmm. first is she's saying you have to get out of your head, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And two things, two benefits to that, that I recall are saying, well, one would be that it would increase your capacity to deal with complexity because of what, I guess, aesthetic experience can capture more than a series of thoughts, right? More in, more in the moment, right? It's a bigger kind of experience and perception. That was one thing. And then when I asked her about the mind, she agreed that it's settled down, it becomes more quiet, right? It becomes the monkey mind, if you like, or the the different problematic aspects of the mind, the internal dialogues, the internal monologues that we all experience, those things tend to quieten down and become less problematic when we get out of our heads. And we all experience how when that aspect of ours is strong and dominant, it's generally problematic, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not generally going to do too well in a conversation if your internal dialogue is really strong or your internal monologue is really strong. Yeah. And, and repetitive. Mm-hmm. I find that when I'm stuck somewhere with emotion, it's incredibly repetitive. It's mm-hmm. like being a stuck record or something mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. in a loop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My talk about this when I'm teaching, there's a kind of a paradox to it, is that when I'm emotional... I get thrown into my head and I'm stuck in my head, right? And and if you can get out, find ways to get out of your head, then the emotion settles down. Talk to us more about that because I'm struck by what you're saying right now, that when there's an intense, intense emotionality, we go to our heads Mm -hmm. and yet there is so much going on in our bodies. That's right. Well, the tendency is to flee those experiences, right? Yeah. And not experience them because they can be painful or or they might bring up other emotions underneath them, right? So it's a type of numbing, it's a numbing technique, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd never thought about that Mm -hmm. before, but hiding in my head Mm -hmm. and becoming one with my thoughts about how terrible the situation is or how terrible I am or how terrible you are just allows me to not pay attention to the intensity of what's Mm -hmm. happening in the rest of my body. Mm -hmm. And then the other uh, dynamic that comes along with that is, of course, anger, because it defends us against feeling other emotions that would be underneath it, right? 
anger is a defense, but it's experienced by others as an offense, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think anger also can have a type of numbing feeling. I mean, there's an exhilaration, a fire energy, Yes. to use one of the elements that Michelle had referenced. But the fire energy enables me to just stand kind of rigid mm. and hard. And it's important. Yeah. So that little conversation we just had wasn't part of the... I was aware of that too. <laughs> but that's fine, right? That's part of what this riff cast is about, right? Totally, yeah. totally. Okay, so getting back on to what we were riffing more directly from Michelle's yes. So there was another step, which mm. was, uh, let's see, we were talking about... Getting out of your head. Getting out of your head. The benefits yeah. of getting out of yeah, your head. Yeah, oh, yeah. and then how to get out of your head. That's, uh-huh, that's, that's important. That's right. That's, yeah, yeah. That was how? the next how? thing I thought. Yeah, how do yeah, you do yeah. it? Okay. She talked about several ways, right? Okay. Quite a few ways. Yeah, yeah. Say. Say. Go. Me. Yeah, you. Now. Now. Uh, art. Yes. Right? Yeah. She said, go, be friends with an artist. Yeah. Go befriend an artist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but getting people to experience each other in aesthetic ways. She talked about if you supply things to people, like you would to children, mm-hmm. that they, you know, who you Materials. Are. Materials. Materials, right. Yeah, yeah. That they will do things, right? Yeah, yeah. And she described a group wrapping what? wool around mm-hmm. a... Executive director or? I think so. Yeah. Someone who was kind of like the boss person yeah. in that group, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he got, ended up under a table all wrapped up in wool. Yeah. Right? And yeah. then he said, what? That that was symbolic for him of the experiences he was going through That's exa- as the targeted leader. Yeah. He mm-hmm. felt exactly like that. Unable yeah. to move. Yeah. And isolated. Yeah. Right. Symbolic, a symbolic representation of his experience, yes. which enabled others to feel more empathy for him, she was saying. Yes. And then out of that experience, they were then able to have the difficult conversation mm-hmm. that wasn't happening. Right. Right. And she talked a lot about coming to conflict in indirect ways. Yes. And that the arts can be a method of coming to mm-hmm. conflict in indirect ways, mm-hmm. which is a great segue. It is. To- and um, I'd have to say that I, I learned this from my ex-wife, Beatrix Satsing who I learned a lot from, but... Um, and she was and is a ther- ther- therapist. therapist. among other things. But yeah. that's yeah. one of the things. One of her... A dancer, too. A dancer, too, yeah. yeah. One of her um, professional activities at, mm-hmm. or in the, over the course of her life has been being a therapist. Yeah, so she, um, what I would do is I would get... I'd bring flip chart paper and crayons and pencil color things. To? To, to a group that were in conflict. Okay, yeah. yeah. And on the first day I was working with them, I would ask them to draw their conflict mm-hmm. with the crayons on mm-hmm. the paper and then do they have individual pieces of paper? yeah they each have yeah. each okay. piece of paper yeah, yeah and they have about maybe 15 20 minutes to do that something like that okay. and then come back into the group together mm-hmm. and each of them have five minutes or something like that to talk about their drawing right mm-hmm. and how they experience conflict mm-hmm. and that is certainly one way of getting people out of their heads mm-hmm. right and into a different dimension of experiencing the conflict. Do you have any recollections about how that landed or what the impact was? Of Whenever I've done it, it's brought yeah. the group together. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Neat. She also talked about that philosophy of negotiation that she's working with. Mm-hmm. Is this the time to talk about sure. that? Sure. The aesthetic. Aesthetic, aesthetic negotiation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bringing aesthetic into negotiation Mm -hmm. and one of the ways she's working on that is considering the four elements from classical philosophy right Mm -hmm. earth air fire and water Mm -hmm. right and Mm -hmm. what what qualities of those might be lacking or Mm -hmm. present right Mm -hmm. because they can be too uh, small right Mm -hmm. like not enough 
water to keep things cool, right? Mm -hmm. Or too much water. Mm -hmm. So not enough dynamic engagement is happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's a way of, well, a way of assessing, I guess, right? And a way of supplementing uh, and a way of maybe self-examining, right? Mm -hmm. What's happening in a conflict. Yeah, what's happening in conflict, either in the moment or in upon reflection, I guess, right? Yeah. Well, and I was just reflecting on, I, uh, I, I don't know, maybe last year I decided, I self-appointed myself as a, as you know, as a conflict alchemist. Right. I, and, I love that. I wish I'd thought of it. I know. <laughs> I, I, can, I can't claim, and I can't claim proprietary rights because I do find things just land in my head, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. And you can have it too. We can be kind of conflict alchemists together. I'm, I'm a catalyst. That's pretty good. Ooh, catalyst is pretty good. It's going to... Sounds very much like alchemist. Yeah. Yeah. Al catalyst. Right. You're an all catalyst. <laughs> In any of it. <laughs> About alchemy. I was thinking, why like why did I choose that moniker, that title? Mm-hmm. And I think part of it was this idea of throwing things into a cauldron, which of course makes me think of Carolyn Casey, mm-hmm. somebody else we've interviewed recently that mm-hmm. and I'd love to see Michelle LeBaron and Carolyn Caroline Casey talk with each other. That would be cool. That would be something we could do is bring two guests together, right? Woo! Season two, I can see it rumbling. Yeah, that would be amazing to see those two people in the same room. And Caroline talks about throwing things into the cauldron. Like yeah, you, she does. You throw in this kind of, in a way, a negative energy and you ladle out a positive energy. That's what I remember from mm-hmm. her, from her metaphor. And I'm just thinking in terms of working with these four alchemic principles or elements of air and water and fire and mm-hmm. earth that... Uh, intuitively, I knew that there's something that can happen when we bring people together around conflict, around the, the cauldron of conflict, if we want to call it that, that something magical can happen in there. And I've seen it happen. And I know you've seen it happen as well. Mm-hmm. And yet there is danger in it as well. And I'm thinking of our interview with Mark Gerzon as well, where he spoke about using temperatures, mm-hmm. where the temperature might be too hot and people would get burnt. Mm-hmm. And so there's the fire element mm-hmm. and things might, you might have to turn things down and it would get cooler. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure which element that would be, whether it would be water or earth mm-hmm. or, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, I was struck that, it's, those are strong metaphors to use. That they're mm-hmm. very helpful metaphors mm-hmm. to also to separate us a little bit from our fusion with our conflict. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which makes me think about narrative theory, which you're into a lot. I know, but I don't know if there's anything you want to say about the way about that narrative, yeah, you know, that how we can distance ourselves from conflict. It's such a big topic. I think maybe it's for another time. Yeah. <laughs> you're encouraging. You have an encouraging look. I do. I do. Well, just that piece. Okay, I guess one of the principles of narrative therapy and narrative practices and narrative mediation is that it's kind of as if the language is doing you instead of you thinking the language, because the language has kind of invaded your space. That's a conflict language that you're trapped in, and it's kind of invaded your psychic space. And so, part of the practice is to help people to externalize their stories, right? externalize them and become less attached to them and and create a in that process create a more of a common story rather than a rather than an individualized conflict saturated story begin to create a solution bound common story 
Thank you. And wow, what a what a clear articulation of the essence of narrative. Wow. Mm. And, and I'm really glad you brought it in because we're talking about how to use creativity mm-hmm. to create space and conflict, to create that space for potentiality. Mm-hmm. And so your articulation of the way that narrative theory or the way of thinking of conflict as a story mm-hmm. is another way to play with the dynamism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. So is there anything else we want to mention by way of this? Uh, well, just man- I will mention that I think at some point, mm-hmm. assuming we continue with this podcast, we will get someone on who's a narrative expert and have a conversation about it, right? It's a good idea. Season yeah. two, season two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just a, a wee bit more. How about this thing? That, that really got me this. Uh, I'm pointing to um, the notes that we just took from our conversation with Michelle, but how do we motivate people to engage in conflict? which is always something that I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. Well, what I remember her saying was the care, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. That there's mm-hmm. a bit of a tendency for us to be very um, kind of upfront and proactive about pushing, almost pushing ourselves mm-hmm. against each other into mm-hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. Against is too strong a word, mm-hmm. but pushing ourselves into conversation, right? Yeah. And she's saying that, well, you know, that's not always the best thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes mm-hmm. it actually is better to come at it sideways and indirectly and maybe not even through talking, right? Just spend some time together, whatever. She was talking, but she alluded to her relationship with her daughter, right? Where it sounds like she's had some challenge, right? And and I hope I'm not being too personal for her. But just that it, the implication was that she's found working indirectly to be more helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I want to build on that. And, yeah. and, and I don't know if yeah. too personal or not. I mean, yeah. people can go listen to the podcast, whatever she said was right there. Yeah. And I have a daughter, so I can totally relate. <laughs> um, I think what's important to highlight as well is that she said pretending that the conflict is there doesn't work, though. Mm, pret- yes. You mean pretending that it's not there doesn't work. Pretending it's not there. Yeah, that's you, right. So, doesn't work. So it's so indirect is not about ignoring it. Abs- not at all. Right. That's and right. we need to be careful about that because, yes. yeah, my experience is most people want to avoid it. That's right. And I, I loved how clear she how clearly she said that. Sorry. Go mm-hmm. ahead. I was just going to say Bernie Mayer, who we talked to in the fall, he's done some really great writing on the different ways that we avoid conflict. Um, one of the surprising ones is through escalation, right? It's through getting into a very loud argument of some kind, right? You'd think, oh, well, that's the conflict. Well, actually, a lot of times the difference gets lost and we're not actually really talking in a focused way about what the difference is. Right. And you've done that in your work. You've really taught me that over the years, the way that you've dived into difference and Mm -hmm. wanting to surface difference. And Mm -hmm. and I think we've both been influenced by our colleague, Mm -hmm. Brian Frank, around that too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Okay, anything else? Oh, there was, geez, there was something I wanted to ask you. And Ah! I, I am sorry. That's okay. Yeah. Was there something more about indirectness, though? Indirectness. Just to say? Um, Respectful, uh, Gordon. We're reading some notes we have here. Yeah. Yeah. You did want to mention about whether we're engaging with conflict indirectly or in some aesthetic way that it it doesn't mean that conflict is easy or pleasant. Did you want to mention anything about that? Oh, yeah. Well, we were, I guess, you know, like like we're we're all mediators, right? Michelle may be primarily an academic, but she also does a lot of facilitation work as well. Mm -hmm. And we were just saying how we all recognize that in a peaceful world, there'll still be conflict, right? Mm -hmm, Conflict's mm -hmm, not mm -hmm. a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And this is something that you know, some people who have not really thought about this might not come to on themselves, right? Mm-hmm, but it mm-hmm. sounds a bit like, it starts to sound like we enjoy conflict or like it's easy for us. And I think that's a point I want to make. The fact that we recognize its value and have experienced the importance of 
going through it and into it doesn't mean that it makes it easy or that it's necessarily pleasant. Thank you for saying that. We can be just as, even though we work in the field when it's our own conflict, I think we're just as terrified or upset as anyone else. Totally. Yeah. 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 The analogy I've used myself in teaching a lot is the one about the dentist Mm -hmm. and how none of us expect a dentist to climb into the dentist chair and drill his or her own mouth when they have a cavity. (laughs) And yet as mediators or counselors or others in people professions, we seem to have this expectation that we're going to take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And actually we need each other. Mm -hmm. We need each other to support each other in ways that are conflict positive. Mm -hmm. I wish I could quote poetry the way she did. I'm thinking, I know one quote, Rumi quote, I say it a lot, then we can end. Okay, you go. Okay, it's something like, out beyond the ideas of right doing and wrong doing, there is a field. I'll meet meet you there. there. I'll meet you there. I'll meet you there. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Bye for now. Bye. Take care. If you love this episode of On Conflict, then help us out by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. And you can spread these big ideas too by sharing on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you show up online. Want to know more about us? Check out our website, onconflictpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. Now, go make the world a better place.